0: Welcome to Masala PTI with your hosts Ravi and Arvind. Pardon these Indians as they take you on a unique and wild
1: ride around the world of sports. Welcome to another edition of uh, Masala PTI Boys and Girls. Uh, This is your host Aravind. I'm here with uh, my fellow Phoenix Suns fan, uh, Ravi. Ravi, before we get deep into uh, the finals, uh, let's talk about the most important thing. Do you think that Cam Johnson dunk was the best ever or the best of eternity?
0: That is a great question. I actually (laughs) thought that you would give me two logical options, but 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 even given those, I would say either is the either is the right answer.
1: Oh man, that was some dunk. That really, you know, I'm not a big dunk person in general. I appreciate a good one, but I do not live and die by dunks. But I literally jumped out of my seat that was so shocking because you don't really expect it from cam because even though he is he has underrated athleticism that once in a while it has popped up right i have seen him dunk in the past and it's always a surprise but this one was fantastic
0: and you know i i see where you're going with this because to me a dunk in general has become a very boring thing unless it is something that A, comes out of nowhere and B, involves a degree of athleticism that goes beyond the dunk itself. So Cam, if I remember right, brought the ball all the way from half court, right? Paul was kind of pressed on their own back court and looped it to Cam and he just basically brought it up and just dunked on it. So it was just a factor of unexpected aspect of Cam Johnson doing it, plus the fact that he did some groundwork before launching. And yes. he obviously in the era of memes, PJ Tucker's face was a perfect recipe for memes.
1: <laughs> True. That yeah, people don't expect that from Cam Johnson, but the guy is can do it. We have seen it before, but in the finals in that situation, I even I was like surprised. That was a Amazing moment, but unfortunately, Ravi, as you know, uh, as our listeners know as well, the Suns' last game three, that was probably the high point for uh, for the Suns. Though he went on a nice, almost like a 10 run. Not a 10 but a 10-point run for the Suns, I yes, I thought, around that time, right? He hit another three. He had a couple of two-point baskets as well. That was one bright spot. But overall, Suns last game three, now we have a series on our hands. Let's get into it. Let's, you know, tomorrow is game four. And, you know, I have to say, I do feel it's a series now. Uh, I would really like to hear what you think. I Basically, the top of mind, Ravi, for me is, they have no answer for Giannis. Yeah. They literally have nothing.
0: So, I am fine with that. Uh, but <laughs> to your earlier question, I'm not worried at all. This okay. series was never going to be a sweep. Uh, a, because I think Milwaukee is a really good team. In fact, a lot of people had them pegged even early on in the regular season as one of the you know strongest contenders. Plus, Giannis is being Giannis right now. So, it was never going to be a sweep. I think that mm-hmm. presumption was far-fetched. And to me, everything that had to go bad for the Suns, I'm actually glad that it all happened in the same game. Booker is, you know, I felt, had his worst playoff game for sure. In fact, he probably had one of his worst games, period. Yes. Now, Aiden has been quite smart not to get into foul trouble and that didn't last in this game either, so that was an issue. The Suns, I think, really missed Saric. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying that, but th- that is true. And by the way, that is, a, that is not a one-off. It is going to sustain through the series. Scott Foster did the Sun no favors by, you know, literally speaking, Crowder was just standing and got rolled over by Giannis and Crowder gets called for a foul. Same with Cam Johnson. So, Scott Foster (laughs) didn't do the Suns any favors. And on top of this, the expected aspects that Milwaukee down 0-2, going back home was the more desperate team. My point is everything that had to go wrong for the Suns did so in one game. And despite that, I thought that Cam Johnson, you know, <laughs> one one man one man uh, barrage almost brought us close to striking distance. And that's when obviously Monty had his one brain part of the series by putting Kaminsky back in. So I thought in general I'm not that worried. It is a series for sure. But I I, I feel confident that the Suns will win tomorrow.
1: Yeah I mean that's good to hear. I am a little bit more worried than you because I do agree a lot of things went wrong for them but I don't see easy answers on what other things can go right except for Booker I expect a big game from Booker right maybe that's all we need right maybe he erases uh, Giannis on the other side and then it becomes you know like you said Giannis going off it could be fine because it's a team sport right there are nine other guys so a lot of outcomes can come out of it. So maybe Booker balances out Giannis and then it becomes a CP3 Aiden Middleton Drew game, right? Anything can happen. So I'm not necessarily saying they're going to lose, but at this point, Ravi, the best option they have for Giannis is uh, a DeAndre Aiden, right? Basically. So and yeah. luckily luckily the guy doesn't hit threes or a mid-range jumper. If he did, he would not be a great option. But once he's out or he's in some kind of a foul trouble, I see major problems because these guys are 6'6 on a good day, right? Um, That is true. Bridges is too slight. Crowder is stout, but he's also not big enough for this guy. And that has been one factor that I think the way it's going, Ravi, basically a 35-point game from him... Uh, tomorrow or rest of the way is going to be a win for the Suns.
0: I completely agree. And to me, though, that doesn't move the needle in terms of the Suns' chances of winning the series. Because, Arvind, this year, out of the five games that they have played, uh, including the regular season, the Suns Mm -hmm. have won four and lost one. And in four of the five games, Yanis has been a beast. The only game he didn't really go crazy was game one of the finals where you would assume that he was probably still coming back into game shape. So, my point is, the Suns getting killed by Giannis is a given. What they've been able to do well, though, overall against Milwaukee, is to keep, you know, the others at bay and do their things well. You know, again, make the making the corner threes and Booker getting his 25 to 30 and, uh, you know, Paul not having unexpected turnovers—it's those things that kind of went awry in this game. So yes. again, you know, you're you're right, Giannis having said that uh, this is one of those series, Arvind, where I feel that the Suns will win. But even if they do, I wouldn't be opposed to Giannis getting MVP the way he's playing. But <laughs> to me, that you know, Giannis's output has not scared me. I was more disappointed by the Suns' lack of effort and. Especially in Booker's game. I, you know, first time he showed that he was still young, a little bit immature and kind of, he kind of, I think, lost the plot a little bit.
1: Right. I think he, his game was disappointing. And whatever happened in that fourth quarter, why he was not even playing that much, right?
0: Yeah. So, I have a, you know, kind of a very lame-ass, uh, very boring logic to it. And you tell me what you think. I thought... Basically, Monty decided when the Suns were down by 16 at the end of three that... uh, Actually, uh, let me step back. When they brought it down to about six, and this was despite Booker kind of again sucking big time in the third quarter, Mm -hmm. Monty let it ride with whoever was on the floor, except that Aiton picked up his fourth, so he had to switch Kaminsky. He didn't have to, but that's where I think Monty went wrong. He brought Kaminsky in, and then promptly the Suns went down by 16 by the end of three, and Booker was sitting... Monty probably decided, if the Suns make a run in the first few minutes of the fourth and bring it back to under 10, I will bring Booker back in. Didn't happen. And then he's like, you know what, let let me wave the white flag and, you know, uh, right? Let, let, let me end this guy's misery with versus letting it linger even more.
1: Yeah, so the, the one odd thing was he did not wave the white flag until late. In other words, he had... He had one white flag for Booker and another one for the rest of the team, <laughs> right. which, which kind of uh, was odd. But anyway, I, I mean, it's not a big deal. I'm sure he's going to be aggressive and uh, he's going to bring his A game tomorrow. So I, I agree with a lot of what you say in terms of how the others are going to decide this, right? Because like you say, I don't see an effective counter for Giannis. Uh, yeah. The challenge is going to be, at least for tomorrow, you know, the whole notion of the role players and, uh, you know, players at home play better, right? So, not that Middleton and Drew are role players. I, I do give them more credit than that. So, they showed up uh, last game, and I, you know, it's likely at home they probably show up again tomorrow, so sons have to counter that. And the scary thing, Ravi, is this guy Middleton always has a Middleton game, right? And that has not happened in this series so far. Yeah. Uh, so I've been watching him in the playoffs like for three years, whether Bucks lose or win, or he's kind of consistent, but he always has that one game, if not a couple of games. So I'm also dreading that happening at some point in this series because he has been relatively. Uh, quiet. It has been pretty much Giannis for them, right, so far. Uh, and Drew, Drew kind of caught up a little bit uh, uh, in Game 3. Let's see what he does Game 4. Overall, uh, Holiday has had a pretty bad uh, postseason in terms of shooting percentages and all that. So there are a few things that I think Suns... Uh, are dealing with here. One is uh, the injuries, like you said, re- constraining them in terms of who they throw at Giannis, and Giannis just playing out of his mind. Uh, you know, he's just not scared of anything at this point, right? Not that he was ever scared of. Um, and <laughs> you know, Booker uh, having off night. I'm not too scared about that. And you know, what does Bridges do on the road, right? Uh, that's the other issue too, because Bridges had a great game two and game three he kind of uh, disappeared. So there are a couple of challenges I see for tomorrow. Long term, I think they're still in a good position, but overall, I've, I'm I'm mentally prepared for uh, you know the series getting tied up.
0: Yeah, and you're right. I think to me though, what I have never any fears about the team itself getting getting the ebgbs around you know what if what if it becomes 2 and 2 i think this team we have talked about in the past also that they seem to have really really good poise i am right. more concerned about you know people like us and the local media and the twitter hacks etc who will call gloom and doom if the series goes 2 and 2 without recognizing the fact that even that all it means is the suns need to hold serve at home Yes. And, right. So, and that's why I feel sometimes uh, this NBA playoffs becomes a game to game. Absolutely. Phenomenal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because absolutely. after game two, you have especially the national media hacks, who I find to be the least bit least informed among anyone else. They are talking about a dynasty, the Suns being a dynasty, how Drew and uh, Chris Middleton are not worth. Being all stars and now all of a sudden after game three, you're you know, they're back to saying that okay, Booker still has room to improve. I mean, which he does obviously. But I mean, I'm just thinking that the narrative flips so radically that it makes no sense. I think the Suns will win tomorrow, given how they have typically recovered from losses. But even mm-hmm. if they don't, I'm confident they will win five, and then you know, I frankly I feel they'll win five and six if they lose tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so that's a best-case uh, scenario if they lose tomorrow. Uh, yeah, like I said, my fear is more centered around what kind of adjustments we could possibly make because one of the things that they've seemed to done they have done is basically put Drew on uh, CP3 and there's a lot of narratives around that, right? That how that's working and CP3 is uh, turning over the ball a little bit more the last couple of games. I think he's... Probably going to get that under control uh, next game, and Booker will uh, show up. Then it really becomes a question of uh, who are the others for the uh, uh, Milwaukee Bucks, you know, the boys, who's going to have a good game, right? So, right. assuming Giannis is Giannis, what I am thinking, Ravi, is basically it's going to come down to the other two guys. If they're, uh, you know, really good. I think sons are going to be in trouble tomorrow. If not, they're going to be uh, fine. And then, of course, coming back home, the narrative uh, flips, right? The uh, role players for the sons probably have the advantage in Game 5 or whatever. And, of course, okay. they have the home court too. But coming back to Giannis, basically, right, he's, he's dominating the paint. And there is really... Uh, nothing to throw at him. Uh, (laughs) You know, if you think about it, I don't see which team has a lot of bodies to throw at him because he has such a unique skill set. Nobody does, I think. But at the same time, Ravi, I was wondering if, if, uh, you know, that something... James Jones could have acquired or done something about along the way. Uh, Because one of the things that even I think Bill Simmons brought up in his podcast was how uh, the rookie Jalen Smith, right? He's kind of uh, a big guy, right? But he's probably a few years away. I I was thinking somebody in this part would be just ideal to throw at Giannis for like, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. Uh, That's one piece that's missing, especially after all the injuries.
0: Yeah, you're right. And I wonder what must have been the thought process, you know, mid-season when the Suns had space and cash and, you know, available resources or available candidates to, uh, to to take a stab at, right, as far as the big guy is concerned. And I'm wondering yeah. what may have been the thought process that prevented the Suns from doing anything. And the only thing I can come up with is that they possibly hope for a faster Progression of Jalen Smith, and then mm-hmm. right, and which I don't know. No, if that hasn't do you think happened.
1: so? I no, I, I don't know. That's because right. because years literally they have not been playing him at all.
0: Because to me, it makes like especially game four and for whatever I think he played three minutes in game three, but even that was ample evidence to suggest that Kaminsky is not, uh, Kaminsky does not need to see the floor again in this series, <laughs> right? And yeah. To me, the fact that Monty keeps going back to him suggests
1: how low on that priority goal Jalen Smith is. Right. So, I think we even might have touched on this, Ravi, in one of our earlier parts, even before the finals of the playoffs. One possibility is they probably stuck out on Blake Griffin and Drummond and everybody, right? Because those guys, the buyout guys, have the money and they just look for the best situation, a possibility is they probably struck out on them, but one of them would be ideal, right? So, going back to answering my own question about who can even, uh, you know, which team can even throw bodies at Giannis, actually, Blake Griffin is a good example, right? He's he's not going to stop Giannis, but Brooklyn just could at least throw him at him, right? And he did a decent
0: job. He did a decent exactly. job in the series.
1: Exactly, so here that's exactly what uh, the Suns are missing except for Aiton. Aiton can hang uh, even though positionally Aiton is a little bit too much of a traditional center. Giannis is a lot more versatile than that but because he doesn't have a jump shot that's the scary part with Giannis just talking about him. Once he develops a jump shot Ravi you can't put Aiton on him right yeah, Imagine right. that that's two right. years down that's the road right. or whatever. Uh, Aiton is at least fairly athletic and he can hang. But imagine some other, even more of a traditional center like Jokic or somebody. You're not going to be able to defend Giannis outside. And inside, he's just so, such a pain. And I thought Crowder tried his best, actually. He and did. Right? He, he could do a few things with him, but he's just too big and too athletic. Um, and
0: the Suns' problem essentially is that, uh, uh, you know, even if Crowder, as you said, e- during those minutes that Aiton has to sit on the bench, purely one-on-one defense-wise, Crowder does a half-decent job on uh, on Giannis. But unfortunately, because they don't have Saric anymore, there is no one to get rebounds. If Crowder is busy basically getting tackled by Yanis or trying to stay in front of Yanis. And in fact, that's where if you remember in the game three, in the latter part of the third quarter, they lost the battle of offensive rebounds. The Bucks kept missing shots, but Yanis or Bobby Portis kept getting offensive boards or Tucker, for example, and making… You know, mm-hmm. the second chance points, and that's frankly maybe that was the reason why they had to bring back the Suns had to bring Kaminsky back in. Not that he was helping a lot, but you, I agree with you. I think Crowder does a fairly good job, but having Crowder in but without Aiden really weakens our inside, uh, inside spot. Yes, he does,
1: and uh, you're absolutely right about the offensive boards. You know, they're uh, uh, you know, I've seen this. Uh, From the Bucks even before the series, right? I think they did the same thing with the Nets They can turn off or on going after offensive boards uh, on a whim. Basically, they they they're too big Uh, The modern day NBA is that people don't go after the boards, right? They go run back on transition to defend the three Yeah, Bucks are one of the few teams which that is their default position, but if they see some weakness they turn on like a switch. They turn on the offensive rebounding on because they got like Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis and Giannis is, of course, you know, bigger and more athletic than all of them, right, in some ways. So uh, it looks like right now they are trying to hurt the sons on the boards, which is another challenge. The funny part, Ravi, is they are pretty thin too right now, right? They are barely playing, you know, six and a half or seven... Uh, uh, bodies, but uh, you know, Suns are the deeper team, but Suns have a couple of injured guys, and it's kind of evening out the field. Uh,
0: yeah. And and our problem, if you may call it one, is uh, that uh, we have too many wings and guards and not even a body to throw, right? As far as big guys is concerned.
1: Right, right. Uh, That's the problem. and And uh, yeah, Kaminsky will probably will get minutes again and let's uh, hope and pray that it's uh, productive minutes. Um,
0: and the problem in game three also was that Craig did not look healthy. Uh, Tori Craig? Yes, uh, he was not right. Yeah. He, was, he didn't look healthy, so I guess if you think through those things, it made slightly more sense that Kaminsky played the minutes he did. I just cannot stand the guy.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought he was okay. Uh, plus, like you said, yeah, I don't think Monty has a choice at this p- yeah, at this yeah. point because you can only do so much with six six and six seven guys, right? Especially against yeah. Giannis. Uh, So all of this brings us back to the guards, basically. At the end of the day, I think CP3 and uh, Booker have to step up tomorrow and and get some stuff going while we hold for dear life against Giannis and, you know, rebounding and all that stuff. The scoring punch has to be from these two guys, and they can obviously, uh, you know, win win tomorrow's game like they did the first two games. But I feel like this will be a much closer one either way.
0: Yes, I agree. And I think uh, in some ways, uh, I know different personnel, different matchups, and all that. But in some ways, I'm hoping for like, you know, a game four against Clippers type of a dogfight. I couldn't care less if it ended up as a 78-71 or an 84-80 win for the Suns. Uh, You know, whatever it takes to kind of get one win. Because if they would just win tomorrow... ah, Then it's over, yeah. Then it's over, right? Then it's over.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because if we go back to the Clippers series, that Game 4 I thought was the key because they came back and got butchered by the Clippers at home in Game 5. But I still didn't feel that the series was in any way in danger uh, because they took care of business again. The Suns team, this Suns team, one thing is they are very, they are truly resilient. They lose one they goal, are. They don't yeah. make the same mistakes again.
1: Right, right. So to your point, it's uh, funny you say that. I was also pretty confident against the Clippers. Uh I am a little bit more nervous right now. Uh, probably, you know, there's a little bit of analysis paralysis with the finals, right? We are all probably overthinking it. That's hmm. part of it. But the bigger problem really is the Janus factor. And, uh, uh, you know, what, what do you do with that guy seems to be a big uh, question that mm-hmm. I I don't have an answer for. Like you said... Even having a Blake Griffin or somebody, Bam at a bio, for instance, even in the first round against Miami, right? That guy has a traditionally been good against him, even though this year uh, they turned the tables on him and they basically played the Giannis defense on Bam, the other end, right. and kind of neutralized him a little bit. So it would be nice to have another, at least one other. Uh, You know, body to throw at uh, Giannis. That's what this is coming down to, as I see it. Uh, Other than that, I think Suns will show up tomorrow with more energy. And, you know, like you said, the desperation was obviously with the. Box uh, last game. I think this game is going to be more uh, on an emotional, uh, you know, level playing field for both teams. That flips the advantage to the Suns as well. So people like Cam Johnson and Michael Bridges, those guys can, you know, do their thing.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. And you know, if there was an interesting stat, I don't know if this is true or not, but I believe I heard it on, you know, during uh, game three that the Suns. Have won every game in which bridges scores in double digits.
1: Is that right? Something like that. I heard something similar too. I don't know and the I, exact uh, number. And the sp- yeah.
0: yeah, and in the spirit of what you just said, which is maybe it is a it is obviously analysis paralysis. A and B. I think the number of points a person scores is, is more of a symptom to the win rather than the cause of the win. That mm-hmm. I get, but still, it 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 it. Hearts to the point that I think that dude needs to get more involved on offense. Like game three, I didn't even realize he played.
1: Yeah, sometimes he, he that happens to him. I don't know why that is. Yeah. What did you think of the Drew-Holiday as Chris Paul matchup? Because that is getting some national uh, analysis too. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I thought uh, obviously Drew is a great uh, defender and I thought he Helped, But I I think some of the wounds were self-inflicted on the Sun side as well.
0: Paul's been a little careless, right? This series, it's weird for me to say this is the NBA final. So, the stakes are as high as they can be. But he was like, for example, he was perfect against the Nuggets. He was deadly when it counted against the Clippers. This series, he's been a little off. And I'm talking specifically in terms of being careless with the ball, which is never something you can say about Paul.
1: But that's why they are they're, uh, they're uh, attributing that to Drew, right? Basically, they are saying he's the reason that uh, CP3 is a little bit struggling by his but, standards.
0: But what I am actually referring to, Arvind, is more, and I think that's, uh, I, 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 at least I thought you also were saying this, it's more of those careless behind-the-back passes to no one. Like, he had one of those awful turnovers yeah. in Game 1. Yeah, you're right. He, in the last game, also in game three, also not that it mattered. I think by then the game was almost lost. But he threw one to Crowder on his feet, to his feet, and Crowder somehow was able to, you know, uh, rein it in. It, that's not Paul. Paul's passes are pinpoint, you know. So so it, it felt a little bit of uh, white chocolate in Paul's voice.
1: <laughs> back in the day. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 here's the key, Ravi. I think he. He basically he needs to be there like 100%, right? Because right, I think right. he's one of the biggest difference makers, not just because he's good, but one of the things that the Bucks don't have is a traditional point guard, right? Yeah, right. Uh, they don't even have their starting point guard, right? He's hurt, not that he's a star or anything, uh, but they'll be managing on... You know, none of these guys are traditional point guards. So I thought the first couple of games, I could clearly sense that Chris Paul was a huge difference maker, right? He is in every series because he's All-of-Famer. But especially against the Bucks, I felt like, you know, coaching was obviously one big edge for the Suns, uh, which I always feel like Bud kind of is a slow starter. He eventually gets, (laughs) gets it. Uh, and then the bigger difference was on the floor, Suns had a floor general that uh, Milwaukee just couldn't match up against, right? From a, yeah. just a game management perspective. So I hope he gets back to that uh, next game. Basically, it's the, the backcourt has to show up big time for, uh, for tomorrow to be uh, you know, uh, in their favor,
0: uh, agreed. Again, again, given the matchup, I completely agree with you. Also, uh, even from within the Sun's standpoint, I think Paul needs to be there pretty much all the time because I've been very disappointed in campaign in this series. Uh,
1: yeah. Did you see the numbers uh, before and after that injury? It's pretty bad. Uh, oh, for pain? Yeah. You, uh, they say after that injury, there is uh, like a significant drop-off across the board. With his uh, numbers, that's kind of sad for the Suns as well. Because if you remember, he had an amazing uh, first stretch of the playoffs.
0: Absolutely. I think he was nails against the Lakers. The Lakers did not have an answer for him. He actually, uh, you know, I feel it was uh, instrumental in winning the first two games against the Clippers. Right? I mean, in in the absence of Paul. But Mm -hmm. I feel... Sometimes he just feels like he's out of control and he launches these, uh, these, you know, these threes, uh, you know, step up threes which have, uh, which frankly again is not within the Suns offensive system. He just plays a little haywire at times and that is really showing up in a negative way
1: in this series. Yes, he has been a, a bit of a negative in this series. Usually, he he gives like a you know dose of energy, right? He injects a dose of energy, but this this series, he has been look he looks even more out of control than he usually looks, right? Uh, which right. is not good. So their their depth is kind of uh, for a variety of reasons betraying them at a bad time, right? Injuries and. Uh, you know, partially injured guys like campaign and Tory Craig, uh, that's been an advantage for Milwaukee too because they came in pretty thin, the Milwaukee Bucks, and now they are like kind of uh, matching up with the Suns. Correct. You know, uh, neither team can really boast of eight able bodies at this point.
0: Agreed. Uh, (laughs) Agreed. I think you're right.
1: Yeah. So the
0: you know the only worry I would say I was thinking through something I was I was thinking of uh, you know mentioning uh, something that uh, really is my only source of worry or concern in the series and I just remembered what it was that we basically wasted the one crazy crowder game in a loss, right? Right. Every series he has this one totally crazy seven of eight from three game and in every series that particular game has been. Key for the Suns winning that game, and instead he had a six for eight or six for seven shooting from three-point range, and we ended up losing that game. So I hope he has one more, one more in him. In
1: him, yeah, that's a good point. He had a good game actually. He was the one guy who had a good game. Uh, uh, you know, and Aiton was great too for a half. Yes. And then, yes. and then one of the other criticism which you might have seen of Monty was also that he probably should have taken more risks with Aiton. Yeah, uh, And his fouls, he put him on the bench a little too long. Anyway, so, but again, uh, you know, not to sound like a broken record, I think the backcourt has to carry them tomorrow. Uh, and we shall see uh, what, what what comes out of it. I am expecting a really close game. Uh, you know, uh, I, I do think at this point, I'm prepared for it to get tied up. But it's good to hear that you are uh, still... Uh, expecting a kind of a short series because if they win tomorrow, I'm pretty sure it'll be a short series.
0: Uh, yeah. So speaking of, I, I, I'm still like not not just in a biased way. I truly feel that this is going to be Suns in five. Uh, so hopefully. Hopefully, that pans out. But I did want to uh, uh, just quickly add a comment about Aiton. Arvind, so actually, before I tell you what I feel, I wanted to ask you, assuming the Suns win the next two games and win the series, or even if they lose one but win in six, who from the Suns, if I ask you right now, who from the Suns is likely to be the MVP given how the first three games have gone?
1: That's a great question. Uh, you are, I mean, I know what you're getting at. Eight and probably, assuming that's what you're getting at. He yes, yes. a good argument. But frankly, knowing the NBA media, I think Paul will win it, though. Okay. Uh, if your question is who will win, it will probably be Chris Paul. If your question is who should win, uh, that's a tougher question. Obviously, after game three, it's not Booker, right? Uh, So, he he can clinch it over the next two games. It has to be Aiton so far. I agree with you on that.
0: And on top of, you know, what we feel philosophically, Mm -hmm. at this time, Aiton is 65 to 1 odd to win the MVP. To me, that is ridiculous. Basically, what it means is we put uh, 50 bucks and win 3,250. Because to me, the one consistent player for the Suns across the two wins and the loss has been Aiton. I know he kind of had a so-so game in game two, but it is not just about his stats. You said it as well that when he's not in the game, it feels like Giannis is playing against school kids. Right. He's our only answer to Giannis. And assuming if we fast forward the Suns as the winners of the series, Go back to 2015 when Iguodala won it purely yes. because of how good he was against LeBron. To me, there is there are various scenarios which could lead to Aiton winning the MVP. And I'm all in on you know throwing a $50, 50, $50 <laughs> bet on uh, him as MVP.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a good bet. Uh, because Booker kind of, speaking of those Iguodala and the Warrior dynasty, Booker kind of pulled a little bit of a... Steph Curry, right? Steph Curry pretty much uh, in 18 and 19 when KD won both the MVPs pretty much was awesome except he had one bad game, yeah, right? In both series. Uh, so in both uh, and coincidentally that game was the closest and KD carried the Warriors and he hit the game winning shot and all that, right? So that flipped the MVP votes to KD in both occasions Yeah. Uh, in fact I believe in 2019 if the series had gone longer it would have been Steph actually but again it was wrapped up in like uh, four games it was a sweep actually and he had one bad game again Uh, Booker unfortunately has had that bad game uh, already so again it's also game three which opens up the door for Ayton or CP3, but the narrative police would probably give it to CP3. That's my guess. Uh, but that's an interesting side note, though, especially with the betting. Uh, you know, that's pretty tempting.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you're right. I I think uh, if you really think of it logically, and you know, to make it a fairy tale narrative, uh, if the Suns win as they should, Paul looks like the overwhelming favorite. But again, he is you know one is to two favorite to win the MVP. Aiden at sixty five to one. I mean, to me, worth it's worth it. A yeah, you're it, right. Yeah. It's
1: worth it because you know Paul numbers wise, he has not had a really bad game yet, right? We may Yes, s- that's right. As as you know, as close as somebody watching closely, we see his impact is not the same in some games versus others. But he has had a pretty consistent series so far. So it right. would be hard for Aiton to snatch it from him, I think.
0: And in the um, last forty seconds since we last spoke, I said sixty-five to one. Now he's fifty-five to one. <laughs> it almost feels like Vegas is listening to our podcast.
1: <laughs> somebody is. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you uh, you jumped in already. I was. I was actually on the site as we spoke or
0: while we were talking. So, yeah, I was able to get it in at 65. Okay.
1: Yeah, that may be a decent uh, bit. All you need is one more huge game from him. His shooting percentage is just amazing. But on that note, Ravi, before we hang up, I really wanted to say this. I'm so happy for him. You know, yes, just as yes. a... Right? Yes. For, yes. You know, I don't want to make it sound like he has been through very, you know... A horrible time in his life, or something like that. No, I mean he's just a third year, but just happy for him. He seems like a nice kid, and all that comparison to Luca and all that you know conversation, and then this sudden ascent to just phenomenal, uh, you know, performances, and just the respect he's getting from the media. Like Bill Simmons is suddenly saying he's top twenty in the league. That is,
0: that is. I mean that is, I mean not ridiculous in terms of it not being true, but coming from Bill Simmons, it is because Bill Simmons might be the biggest Luca fan ever, right? Exactly. Uh, Luca, Luca is all that, but I to your point though, I cannot imagine uh, this what this guy kind of must have felt like in terms of feeling like crap that you get selected number one and all the entire basketball world does is to ride you for it. You didn't choose to be number one, right? Some teams exactly. selected you one. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, uh, in, a, in a league which where centers, prototypical centers are going obsolete, mm-hmm. it felt like he was dangerously close to hitting that what the hell do you do with this guy, right? Or even this season, even during the regular season, the Suns yes, yes. at times played Saric more than Ayton. And to see his sudden uh, ascension has been just terrific, especially as you say, he comes across as that go- like goofy but very nice guy, you know. He, yes. He, just feels, he comes across very transparent, very like, you know, he just says what's in his mind. Yes, and a very tra-
1: like a gentle giant kind of guy. And yeah. this uh, other thing that makes us probably happy also is the fact, it's probably true for Bill Simmons too, right, as all of us old timers, This guy is kind of a traditional center, right? He's kind of bringing it back almost. Because even Jokic is is like way too versatile to call him a traditional center, right? And uh, Embiid is, of course, a little bit more traditional. But he eats the threes. This guy is... You can just uproot him and put him in the 90s. He would still be an awesome center. So I think that's part of that nostalgia and the fact that he's so effective playing that style... Just really warms my heart. I'm really happy for him. But to your point, Ravi, I think Suns, to be fair, did not get as much criticism from... It's it's funny. It's a little bit of self-loathing. The Suns fans themselves were harsher on him, I thought. Mm. The rest of the world, I thought, understood that he was... A decent pick at one, right? Like even Bill Simmons, right? He to this day he always says it's defensible that they took him over Luca, which has exactly been my argument. The people who were really getting crushed are the Kings, right, for picking Marvin Bagley over yeah. Luca, right? Yes. So one of the interesting comparison here, Ravi, I don't know if we covered this on the pod. Basically, this is way too, you know much of a hype and generalization, but basically a lot of comparison to the MJ draft here, right? Right, right. If you think about it, the Portland's pick of Sam Bowie is what is criticized. Nobody ever criticizes Houston for picking Hakim over MJ.
0: Correct, because correct.
1: Because that guy deserved to be number one. He came in with all the credentials. You would have been dumb not to pick Hakim number one, right? Yeah, sure. It turned out MJ was... The goat who was right, picked two right. picks behind, but the Houston Rockets get a pass because they had no visibility into that. Right? You cannot predict right. the future.
0: That's right. To me, That's right.
1: I have heard this from somewhere else too. I so I'm not taking credit for this That's my original theory. There's a lot of parallels here. Luca literally might go down as a new goat. Right? Yeah. But. Sun's pick was still defensible, but the one of the main reasons, Ravi, this is where I'm hoping the same turns out to be true. The one of the main reasons Houston Rockets get away or are are never criticized is because they won those two championships, yeah. Right? That's right. I sure hope we have the same story with that's right. right. Once he wins the championship, then the criticism will pretty much disappear. It doesn't matter if wins five or six or seven or, you know, whatever. That would be a huge, uh, you know, endorsement of the pick, uh, the way we look at sports. So there's a lot of parallel I see with that uh, draft. I don't know if that's wishful thinking or that makes sense, but. That's the story and I'm sticking to it.
0: <laughs> I come... And that is one point I 100% agree. There are two more games. We have two more games to win and that will validate everything that the Suns have done in the past few years. Obviously, primarily the fact that they picked up Aiton at one. But right. you could almost make a logical sense then of everything Ryan McDonough did also. So, you know, it, it's just... Everything is so results-driven. But especially in this case... If they win the next two games or two games in the series and win the championship, no one can deny the fact that Aiton has been as consistent as anyone on this team in enabling them to win the championship. So there itself is the proof that uh, we are talking about. Absolutely.
1: On that note, uh, anything else you want to add, or uh, should we no waiting
0: on? waiting with bated breath for tomorrow to happen. I'm you know personally obviously super uh, geeked and nervous because if they win tomorrow, uh, I hope I'm hoping to get to see the first Suns championship in their history in person in Phoenix on Saturday.
1: Yes, you got the tickets. Congrats on that, and and hope uh, that's the way the next two games plays out.
0: Thank you, and uh, really looking forward to the same.
1: Yeah, and we will uh, talk soon again.